You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Okay. Who missed us? Everyone missed us. Everyone missed us. Hey, if you listened to last episode and after the first commercial break, you'd realize that it played the same opener again. That's Mm -hmm. been fixed. So um, you can go back and listen to that episode and finish it up and give us that uh, listener time. Yeah, yeah, please. Finish learning about Alice Walker because um, I really don't know what happened, but it's fixed now. And there's a lot of information in that second half that we didn't cover in the first half. So it's really worth taking a listen and finishing that episode up to go back listen to that she was a great person and that book is a great book to kick off women's history month even though it was technically slotted for black history month it all rolls together intersecting identities this is your warning now to skip ahead a little bit if you want to miss us chit-chatting though i will say that today our chit-chat will be uh short because we've got a lot to cover and we're trying to keep this episode to about you know 45 minutes yeah we got stuff to get done yeah we got stuff to get done so um but typically if you want to um skip ahead seven to ten minutes you'll probably skip me and paul catching up or you can get to know us a little better that's the best part of the podcast honestly not the best part that's the most (laughs) i mean if you like us that's the best part of the podcast but intimate you hear us talk about the same things over and over and over but they get to hear our storyline progress as we develop as humans and that's (laughs) such a beautiful thing that's true that's true so i do want to recognize there's a lot of big dates in march obviously women's history month um on the 10th we have national women's hiv and aids awareness day we have international women's day on the Mm -hmm. 8th we've got i'm looking at my calendar here hang on we have so much this month we've got you don't even have your glasses on i i know i don't have my glasses on there's a lot of uh a lot of people don't even know i wear glasses because i won't wear them like especially in zoom meetings i'd never wear my glasses but yeah we got a lot of good birthdays actually i mean this isn't women but byron rustin's birthday um drops on the 17th when we have an episode dropping for you so a lot going on this month to remember women i've been reading a, a couple of books on women's history this month partly for the podcast and partly because i've been meaning to get around to them anyway so it works out so a lot of good stuff to celebrate and remember and recognize in march yep and uh this woman's history week um the 8th to the 12th that specific week um there's an international woman's um hashtag going around it's called mm-hmm. hashtag choose to challenge um and mm-hmm. we hope that you always choose to challenge the norm and the boundaries and mm-hmm. um be your fucking self because let me tell you if you can't love yourself, how the fuck are you going to love somebody else? But uh, no, true. really, when I finally accepted myself for who I was and kind of stopped pretending to not be myself, um, a lot of really good things happened for me. So yeah. just push the boundaries. If you're weird, if you're loud, if you're crazy, hey, so what? As long as you know what you're doing at the end of the day, you know what you're doing. 
my uh, my episode on Coffee with Evan, which is a Patreon exclusive show that we have on our Patreon. You can join. Um, YQSPod.com slash join. That's right. Um, but uh, it's uh, actually about authenticity this month, about accepting and finding yourself and about the fa- how, you know, as queer, like there's a, there's a popular um, Twitter post going around where, you know, it talks about how queer people are taught to hide themselves for such a long time and then once we finally do come out it can be so hard to reclaim our authentic selves or to find our authentic selves. Yeah because you try to fit into a box Mm -hmm. so that way society accepts you. Yeah exactly so I'm talking about that like how do you help discover your authentic self and the patience it takes on that journey and trying new things but you know check out Coffee with Evan Um, every once in a while I post a public one so that anybody can view and see Mm -hmm. what they're missing out on um, but, but yeah, it's really important. Um, it's really important to try new things, to experiment and, you know, put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. So do whatever you got to do. That's right. But and, with that, oh, yeah, go ahead. We're going to jump in because like we said, we got some stuff to get done today. <laughs> so let's get going. That's right. This year to honor Women's History Month, we're going to cover a few of the major movements in the past that have focused on full equality. Um, we say full equality because the fight for women's rights has never be- been based solely on women. True, femini- True feminism has always allowed room for any person op- oppressed and shunned to join its ranks. However, that this certainly has not been an easy idea to maintain. And time and time again, leaders within the movement have been held accountable and called out for their bigotry, racism, and exclusion. Yet we are encouraged by the fact that this is often their own siblings in the fight for equality who hold one another to the high standards of feminist pursuits. We want to credit this portion and some of next week's episode to our main sources, American Radicals by Holly Jackson, which covers the anti-slavery and free love movement of the 19th century. And also, Why They Marched by Susan Ware, which tells some of the unknown stories of the early women's suffragette movement. Both of these books are linked in our online script, which can be found at yourqueerstory.com. Yeah. So whenever uh, I finally put it up, <laughs> exactly. Once Paul posted, <laughs> I got like five episodes. He's got to catch up on it. some of them, you know. But um, but yeah, American Radicals. I absolutely loved why they marched. I enjoyed too. Um, it was, it's a good book. I mean, it's very well rounded. Um, talking about women's suffragette, but I loved American Radicals because it's not just about specifically uh, the woman's right to vote. It's about the radical movements that that created all the rest, that created the abolitionist movement, that created um, the suffragette movement, that then went on to the labor movements and then the gay rights movements. Um, And I just like, I don't know, there's something about 19th century American history that I really enjoy, even though some parts of it were so horrible. It's because there was so much bullshit that the country was trying to, you know one group was trying to hold everybody back so that they mm-hmm. could remain in power and everything and then the other group was like fuck you no and it was really like the 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 real birth of like all the modern movements yes I, well i think that it it reminds me so much of our time period when you start to study the 1830s 40s 50s that is where we're at today where we are so divided and there's these huge issues that we have to confront and 
we and who knows what's going to happen is it, are we going to end in war are we going to be able to find a peaceful way to resolve this but it's also exciting because you're challenging things challenging that things that you know and issues that people before you have told have said do not matter or we can just let those die out or we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to them when they get to them and a few people are starting to stand up and say no this needs to be challenged now i mean look it's at been the, hundreds of years let's yeah. get some fucking shit done look at the the minimum wage fight in congress and what's going on there and just asking for 50 which isn't even a livable wage anymore, but just asking for that has caused so much dissension in a Congress that should be united because it is ruled by a majority party. But here we are. Here we are. (laughs) Surprise. I really don't get the idea of not increasing the minimum wage. Mm. Uh, We're like, of all the advanced uh, developed countries in the world, we're like the farthest behind. And actually, Canada is now ranked above us in most ideal places to li- move to work. Well, no fucking shit. I mean, what what are we in, being better in? Our healthcare is nothing. a shit storm. Literally nothing. We, you military? That's about nothing. it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Do you want a strong military presence in, in a country that talks about how they love freedom? Sure. That's what we're good at. We got a strong military presence. We got a huge police presence. But if you want education, if you want healthcare, if you want individual rights, if, if you, you want, want a livable vacations, wage. If you mm-hmm. want joy. This ain't the country for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not us. But well, I'll tell you what. You can you can say whatever you want in the town square, and you can fly a flag outside your house. And did you see what Marjorie Taylor Greene has outside outside yeah. of her Congress? Yeah, room? I saw what that's she had. Fucked up. I am over Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't care. There is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes, I think she needs to be watched because obviously she represents a portion of this country that we know. I mean. Again, let's go back to what was it? Seventy-four million people that voted for Trump, and mm-hmm. a, a good, uh, you know, I would say probably maybe a fourth mm-hmm. are are like Marjorie Taylor Green radical right. fanatics. Um, but I also feel like it's like Trump, where they sensationalize him so much that they gave a platform for his message. And I don't think that most people agree or even like Marjorie Taylor Green, including most Republicans. But if we keep giving her a platform for a message, we'll stir up enough of those folks. Yep. You know exactly. So back to the script. <laughs> of course, we always try to focus on LGBTQ characters in history, and her story is full of queerness. However, most of this first episode would disclose the foundation that created a movement and may not seem to directly relate to queer history. But the abolitionist and free love eras of the early 1800s were exactly the movements needed to launch an ever-evolving sexual revolution that defied gender roles and expectations. We also want to remind our listeners that the word queer has always been used to describe other or different, a label set aside for those who live their lives outside of the social norms. In this respect, there are many aspects of the women's rights movement that would be considered queer. And while we can only assume that close friendships ran much deeper or scandalous cross-dressers were actually transgender, we can definitely say it was all a bit queer. And Susan Ware actually pointed this out because... It is very difficult in this time. Yes, there are some relationships like Susan B. Anthony, who I absolutely believe was a lesbian. There was also just the fact that you decided not to marry. If you were a woman and you decided not to marry, that was radical. That was different. And that was queer. It Mm -hmm. was whether you were in love with another woman or not. Being in an open relationship, which was starting to become popular at this time, was very queer. It's still very queer. Uh, So we don't have the terminology to describe all the relationships and and we don't want to reduce 
LGBTQ relationships to just sex. Right. So did they have sex together? I don't know, but I do know that they lived on a farm for 30 years and they gave a big middle finger to everyone who said that they needed to marry a man. So I think that's pretty fucking queer. That is pretty queer. That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> exactly. And to begin our story, we must go back to the 1800s. Yes, even before the historical 1848 Seneca Falls Convention. Our story begins in 1826 with the celebration of, of the 50th anniversary of America's independence from Britain. Which imagine being alive in that time. I don't know. There's just yeah. much, like your 50 years. You're like, yeah, we've been independent it's for so 50 fresh, years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, people were alive that were actually part of that mm -hmm. in that time. So that was probably incredible. Yeah. Um, and the fight for equality did not begin with women. It began with black slaves. It was during this year that Reverend John Rankin. Uh, I'm assuming that's right, yep. released his book, Letters on Slavery, which caught the attention of the American public. For half a century, the question of slavery had slowly ripped at the seams of a new nation that boasted loudly of its love for freedom. As nations like Britain ended their slave trade and moved towards total uh, abolition, America was only increasing its slave presence in the country. While importing slaves from other countries had become illegal, white plantation owners made a killing by breeding their female slaves and selling off their children. And though most states in the North ab abolished slavery after the Revolutionary War, black people still had little to no rights or lasting freedoms in these areas. Despite all evidence to the contrary, a vast majority of white Northerners held the prevailing view that the so-called necessarily evil would eventually die out in Southern states. And I feel like that's what so many people today think about equality rights like across the country yeah like i talk to people all the time they're like oh that's never gonna pass over there and i'm like you don't understand these mm -hmm. other parts of the country are literally like another country we are not the same mm -hmm. yeah there is a huge difference between east and west coast and like chicago and the rest of the country yeah um it's very interesting we're gonna we may be talking about this in the surprise episode um, but it relates to women's rights history. It would take 78 years from the time women first started advocating for the right to vote to the time that they were granted that 78 years. And there was the idea of like, you can just, you know, sway hearts and minds, go around and tell people your cause and we'll do this in a democratic way. And after 78 years, they were finally like, no, I think we're going to have to make an amendment to the fucking constitution because yeah. that apparently is the only way that you're going to give us freedom. And the same thing, and I mean, it was the same thing with slavery, right? We had to have a war and amend the constitution because it was clear people wanted to start repealing slavery right after the Revolutionary War, before the Revolutionary War. But instead, they settled for this half thing of like, all right, well, the North won't have slaves, but the South will. And it probably would have continued that way if not for the expansion into the West, when yep. they had to start answering those questions about slavery again, and then we, we you know, it started, it, people started to fight. Mm -hmm. But there really was the idea of like, we'll just eventually convince Everything all Everything will just get better by itself. You yeah. just gotta let it happen. Yeah. The people in power aren't gonna, you know, <laughs> hold you back. You They're know, a, a rich man is always swayed by emotion. Absolutely, mm -hmm. as we have seen time and time again. Yep. You know, they, they've got these employees that are sitting and sleeping in their cars outside of their building because they can't afford a house. But you know what? That rich man, he really feels for them. Oh, yeah. He's going to come around for sure. That's why Jeff Be Bezos is paying all his people livable wage because he cares about them. Exactly. And duh. it's not about money. People are so fucking stupid when it comes to capitalism. I cannot stand it. But it's the same thing here. You know, like we're, slavery is going to die out. And of course that wasn't going to happen. 
Now, of course, black captives made their voices heard with slave revolts like the German Coast Risings and the George Boxley Rebellion. In 1803, the Igbo, it's spelled I-G-B-O, but pronounced Igbo, people of West Africa, were kidnapped, brought to Georgia, and sold in an auction. During their transport to a small island off Savannah, the people rose in rebellion. They drowned their captors and then, still in their chains, jumped into the water and prepared to drown themselves. I, at first, I was like, good for them. Take that fucking boat. And then they jumped in and I was like, oh, well, shit. they couldn't. They were they were still chained and they were they were in George, like the bay. So like they weren't going to get out. Mm-hmm. And they were. And oh, the, okay. it, of course, this has all been uh, passed down by word of mouth. But the, 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 the story goes that one of the chiefs told the people uh, it's better for us to drown. They were also had a. a term called the water people and so they kind of believe that they could i don't know that they genuinely believe this but spiritually they believe that they could um you know join their gods in the water hmm. and walk underwater to their homeland again i think it was a very symbolic yeah but there also could have been like real beliefs religious beliefs whatever something. the point was that they were going out on their terms mm-hmm. um However, other slave overseers on land were able to pull some Igbo out of the water and roughly 13 of the 75 tribe members died. The story of resistance was powerful to both white and black inhabitants of the area and reminded everyone that slavery was crueler than death. As for white resistance, there were a few white people who continued to oppose slavery helping to form the Underground Railroad by the late 1700s. John Rankin, authors of Letters on Slavery, became an active conductor on Ohio's section on the escape route to freedom. Um, Rankin's booklet inspired a new kind of anti-slavery activism in America. Before 1826, the majority of people who opposed slavery also held the very racist and popular opinion that the slaves should be freed and immediately deported to a location outside the United States. That probably would have been best for them so long as it was in coordination with another government who like took them. Yeah, well, Not if they just drop them off somewhere. Well, there was there was a lot of discussion around this because I mean, again, by this time, eighteen twenty or um, yeah, by this time, eighteen twenty six, uh, slavery's been going on since sixteen nineteen. We have over two hundred years. Most of these people have been born in America. The slave trade had ended. I think it ended in America at eighteen oh eight. It might have been uh, before that. Um, so again, most of these people are born in America. Where are you going to deport them to? You're, I, I agree. Like there was the argument of like, it probably would be safer for us not to be around white people. But there was also the idea of this is the only home I've ever known. And you want to pick me up, pack me up and ship me to another country and just drop me off there. And kind of well, like, that's what I mean. If they had coordinated with another government and been like, just take these people. And I, and I don't mean in like a get rid of them because they are black. That's not what I mean. I just think it probably would have been better for them if they were to, able to get taken in somewhere else. Well, switch that around. If if our government decided that we're going to take all the gay people out of America and go put them somewhere, are you going to be yes. with that? Can we go? Where are we going? Can <laughs> See, we go somewhere is, in Europe? That is what the argument was, because most black people found it very offensive for them to be removed from their country that was their home. They believed I should be free. I helped build this country and I should I'm, be free. I'm only speaking from a future tense because I know how hard their lives were after they were free yeah. that they didn't have. They were literally shit on left and right. But that's what that's the only thing I'm thinking. Like maybe they would have had better lives had they had the opportunity to go elsewhere and they wanted to. And again, there's also a difference between having the chance to go somewhere else and, and being, being forced, forced yeah. to go somewhere well, else. Well, that's also which was the also thing. the argument. Like there were also people that were like, I believe that colonization should be a a. a a choice that people can make and some black leaders actually rallied together and they did they created the the nation of liberia 
Li Liberia or Libya, it's one of the L's. Um, Liberia or Libya in Africa, and it actually was created by former black slaves. But most black people did not want to leave America. Most of them wanted to stay here, and they didn't like the idea that they were going to be forcibly deported. Mm -hmm. Anyways, go ahead. Colonization of people of color was a movement based on the belief that whites could not or should not mix with black and brown individuals. Therefore, the only reasonable and safest thing to do was to colonize these groups outside of American territory. The fact that most people of color had either been forcibly brought to the to the states as slaves or had been forced to buy their transportation to the states through indentured servitude did not seem to matter. Equally unsettling was the reality that white colonizers had invaded and stolen land from indigenous tribes, taken over Mexican and native villages, and now wanted to deport the very inhabitants they had displaced. And of course, leader, leaders at institutions such as the American Colonization Society saw their work to remove black and brown Americans as a benefit and generous. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, and also, again, like this was any person who was black or brown. So any native tribe member, oh, wow. any Mexican person who had been on the border, all, anyone who was not white was going to be transported out. Now, so, now at this time, that sounds um, a lot like Germany, <laughs> right? But exactly, like, yeah. right? Germany's just like we're just removing the Jews, and then all of a sudden you're putting the Jews in ghettos, mm -hmm. which is eventually what you would do, right? Right, cause because it's like there's so like how are you going to possibly make that happen, especially before modern transportation? It's very expensive. It's a very big burden, right. and most people can't even be bothered to free the slaves, and now you want them to take on the responsibility of paying for them to go somewhere else mm -hmm. and setting them up even if they had gone to these colonies what's the uh, um the idea that they would have even survived they're not going to be set up with the the materials that they need yeah you know all of it just it it was not a good solution and it, it was very racist because it was based in the idea of we just want to get rid of you like right. yeah okay oopsie we messed up we enslaved we you, you and enslaved you but and okay fine you. we'll just we'll just pretend like none of this ever happened right but letters on slavery changed the narrative and inspired prominent figures of a new movement. Boyth, Boyth, <clears throat> both William Lloyd Garrison and Harriet Beecher Stowe were among the many people inspired by Rankin's book and sought to turn from talk of colonization to complete abolition. Abolitionists, as they proudly became known, believed in the eradication of slavery and most harshly denounced the racist idea of colonization. We say most because there was an er there was an evolving movement that spanned nearly 40 years, and some leaders did wonder if it would be possible for black Americans to suddenly live freely and safely amongst their former captors. Indeed, a few black leaders wondered if colonization may be best simply to get away from the white man's reach. But most abolitionists saw that black and brown inhabitants had just as much right, if not more, to take part in the country which they had helped build. And so the march for abolition began and it became the first mainstream movement to include a controversial section of the population. For the first time, women were not only included or invited, but in fact encouraged to join in public political discourse. And with that, we'll be right back. Hello Christians, we just want to remind you all that Sojourner House of Rhode Island is offering two important free national services at this time. Any person in the United States who identifies as a victim of domestic violence, sexual assault, and or human trafficking can take part in their free virtual support groups every Monday and Tuesday. It's a healthy and accessible way for victims to find support, especially during this time of uncertainty due to COVID-19. The other service they're offering is a free at-home HIV testing kit. 
In order to receive yours, you simply have to send in a request to khawkins at sojournerri.org. That's k-h-a-w-k-i-n-s at sojournerri.org and set up a brief consultation. Then a test will be shipped to your home free of charge and you can self-administer and receive results within 20 minutes. After a few days, a Sojourner House representative will contact you just to make sure you have all the resources you need. There's no payments or further stipulations required for anyone receiving this important service. So connect with Sojourner House today and send in your request for support. If you have trouble getting through, then feel free to message Paul and Evan at yourqueerstory at gmail.com or message us on any social media platform at yourqueerstory. And we are back, and of course, we're talking about uh, movements that help shaped the women's fight for equality and really full equality because that's what women's rights and feminism has always been about. It's mm-hmm. not been about elevating women above any per- other person or elevating cis women above any person. True feminism has always been about full equality for all people, regardless of their race, their gender, their identity, their background, their orientation. Um, and, and of course, throughout time, there's been arguments and fights over that, and mm-hmm. it hasn't been perfect. And we've had sexism and, and transphobia and homophobia and racism, you know, erode the the overall fight for equality, but it still continued. Because you have those leaders within those communities who, even if they're on the minority, they still mm-hmm. push back and say, no, that's not who we are and that's not yeah. who we're going to be. And maybe they're in the minority for a few years, but eventually they get enough people behind them and, you know, the fight continues on. Yes, exactly. So we were, so we've started in 1826, which was the 50th anniversary of America's independence. And we're mostly covering up through just before the Civil War in this episode. And this will be a three-part series that will cover basically through like the mid-1900s. We're not doing all of feminist history, but we are covering like the main movements, abolitionists and free love, uh, suffragettes and laborers, and then and then a little bit into like the uh, Roosevelt's yep. era. So it was the radical ideas of the abolitionists that broke down traditional barriers set in place. The most pivotal being the ability for women to speak and hold space in mixed gendered settings. Prior to the abolition movement, women were rarely ever heard as public speakers and they certainly did not hold positions of power or leadership. But in the late 1820s, this began to change and one of the most well-known examples of that is Fanny Wright. Frances Wright was the daughter of a wealthy linen manufacturer in Scotland. From a young age, she began f- she became fascinated with revolution and freedom for all individuals. Her interest soon led her to her father's friend and revolutionary hero, the Marquis de Lafayette. If you're wondering, yes, that is the same one who helped us win independence from Britain. There you go. The two began an open affair made even more scandalous by their stark age difference. He was 62 when they began their close friendship and nearly 40 years her senior. When the Marquis headed to America in anticipation of the celebration of the 50th anniversary, he invited Fanny to accompany him. You know what? She was like, I'm going to get in on this money. I'm going to get in on this status. Right. Where else? She At that time, she was forced to marry anyways. It's not like... Well, who, they weren't married. They were, oh, This was a sex, just a... Oh, affair. well, they, she was expected to be with a man anyways. Uh-huh. So why not just go with some a man who's going to get you a little... A little uh, Notoriety, you know. Well, I I also think that there was a real attraction. I mean, even if it was a, a just admiration on her part. I mean, the Marquis was responsible for heading 
well not heading but he was a key figure in the american revolution and he was a key figure in the french revolution like if your if your thing is revolutions of course you're gonna want to <laughs> hook up with the marquee that's are true. you kidding me of that's course true. you know so um, i do think there was a real attraction it was scandalous he actually had to sail ahead of her and she couldn't even be on the same boat to him because it was so scandalous oh but my gosh he brought her anyways he brought her to the white house for dinner He's and like, everything now listen honey i can't bring you on my boat but we're gonna have a boat that's five minutes behind us <laughs> exactly you're just gonna come behind you're gonna stay in the building next door we're gonna work all this out yep <laughs> So Wright had been to America several years earlier and even wrote a book titled Views of Society and Manners in America. The young author and reformer had been quite unimpressed with the country on her uh, earlier visit. I'm, I'm pretty sure most people are still real disappointed when they actually get here. <laughs> well, they hear so much about us. And then, and then like, they get oh, here and they're like, your okay. streets are shit. Your schools are shit. People are getting <laughs> shot. Uh, you have no education here and no health care. Why the fuck did I come here? Right. But after returning to the States with Lafayette, she became inspired by the potential in the States. In 1825, Fanny Wright became an American citizen. And a few years later, she began to hold public lectures advocating for the abolition of slavery and the freedom of women in the United States. States. She was real scandalous. She did not give a fuck. She did it. She actually, she because her father was wealthy, so she built a lecture, or she rented a, uh, an old mill, turned it into a lecture hall, and it was like, I'm going to hold lectures here. And what were they going to say? No? She's exactly. like, I own this She's property. Like, you can't tell this. me what to do. This is mine. I can go into my building and say whatever I want. Free speech, motherfuckers. Yep. It should be strongly noted that Wright certainly had her prejudices and still saw black people as inferior to whites. Her fame... Her famed failed Neshoba experiment is evidence of her bias and racism. In this endeavor, Wright purchased 30 slaves and gave them the option to earn their freedom through their work, believing and gave them the option to earn their freedom through their work. Believing that it was her responsibility as a white person to teach black folks how to earn their way in the world. Now just pause and think about this. You have people that are slaves and their entire life is just to do the work, work of the white person. No, not even to do the work of the white person, to do the work for the white person yeah. that these white people are unwilling to do yeah, for themselves. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, to do like, I'm doing your work for you. It's hard manual labor. And now you're going to take them and you're going to be like, you're almost free, but not yet. I you just got to prove that you can work. I just want just you to show me. Like the audacity, the nerve, but it goes, again, this was the mindset of most people mm -hmm. who were white, like even the so-called good ones who were still like, yes, um, I get it. I, I think the slavery is wrong and it's evil and we got to end it. But I mean, you don't really think you're equal to white people, do you? Let's right. not be ridiculous. Yeah. Ultimately, abuse of the slaves perpetuated by white overseers began to run rampant and soon became a public scandal. Fanny closed the experiment in shame, transported the slaves to Haiti, and freed them. Or did she just, like, dump them on this island and say, well, you know, I <laughs> fucked up. I want you out of public light. I found this great island. You'll fit in real well there. I'm just going to, that's where you're going to yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, there, I, there's not as much about that. I think, it, I do think that Fanny Wright, in all of her own... She, there was a much better way to do it all. I, and I don't want to make any excuses for her. I think she genuinely was sh shocked when the white overseers started abusing the slaves. Like she really thought that that wouldn't happen, even though that she had 200 years of fucking history to show her that's exactly what would happen. Mm -hmm. But she was genuinely shocked. Haiti was a newly freed territory where the slaves had revolted and taken over. Uh, mm -hmm. The story of Haiti is an incredible story. And was so that the sugar plantations. Yes. Where oh, they, yeah. they revolted and they, 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 they became free. And so I think she felt that was the best place to transport, to put the slaves. I don't think she was just trying to run from scandal. 
I think she was trying to do what was best. But again, that's what happens when you take all your information when you're, you know, you're trying to help a minority group, but you're not actually listening to that. Right. Minority you're just group. doing, you're doing what you think is best exactly. for them instead of saying, what do you need? Yep. Exactly. Which is what? Yeah. Happens all the time. Fanny yeah. Wright did, um, yet for all her shortcomings, Fanny Wright did take a sledgehammer to the belief that women could not hold intel- intelligent lectures on important social issues. Her work gave women in America a window to access public spaces. Yeah. So, it, I mean, and she ended up. As I say, she withdrew from the public eye. She actually, she was very much against marriage, which was a big platform during this time because marriage signified basically like a form of slavery for white women. Yeah, on, honestly, it did. Mm-hmm. And marriage yeah. back then, it was an ownership of this woman and you could do whatever you wanted to her and she was yours. Exactly. So marriage and then especially being a mother signifies slavery. But then Fanny met a guy, fell in love with the guy, had a baby with the guy and people are like... You spent, you know, 15 years telling us that we can't do this. And now you're going to do it yourself, Fanny. And so she just kind of like left the whole the whole yeah. country in shame. Wright withdrew from the public eye in the late 1930s and never fully recovered from some of her personal scandals. However, by then, women were pouring into the abolition movement. Lucreta Mock, ugh, not Mock, Lucreta Mott, Elizabeth, Katie Stanton, and Sarah and Angelina Grimke were all beginning to take the reins. Here, men and women worked together towards equality. And yes, I I know Susan B. Anthony is in here. We will talk a lot more about her next. um, The next episode, heaven forbid I don't mention Susan B. Anthony for all her own very racist ways, but... She is important to women's rights. We cannot Mm -hmm. deny that. But I don't want anyone to think that I'm ignoring her. I just didn't talk about her much in this episode. But here, men and women worked together towards equality. Abolition meant more than just an end to slavery, though that was always the main focal point. There were other concerns, such as the mistreatment of white laborers in the North's growing industry or the continued removal and slaughter of American natives. One important issue that began to rise was that of the free love movement. While it doesn't quite match the sexual fervor of the 1960s, free love, the free love, while it does not quite match the sexual fervor of the 1960s free love wave, the early revolution certainly challenged traditional norms, which would directly tie to later movements such as the gay rights and queer liberation. Free love has always been an American tradition, despite the disappointment of white Christians. The concept uh, has evolved in its boldness through the years, but the basic principle of allowing people to love whom they choose has always remained a central belief. Many native tribes had what we would call same-sex marriages, though they saw gender through a much more diverse lens. When Puritans began to clamp down on colonists and demand uh, rigorous adherence to marriage laws, several people rose up in defiance. Thomas Morton's establishment of Marymount was a direct reaction to the Puritan overreach. His small town became one of the first free love settlements in the United States, and the tradition would continue for the next few centuries. By the time the the abolition movement was taking off in America in the mid-1830s, free love communes were springing up across the country and driving the conversation against slavery. And uh, this is talked about a lot in American radicals, and we did not have time to get into it, but I wish we did because it was such an interesting joining of these ideas, abolition with free love. Like, they don't seem to have anything to do with each other, but they did because, again, abolitionist is about being a free person, and free love is part of that is the freedom to love who you will how you will if I want to have several lovers if I want to have one lover if I want to have someone who's the same gender as me if I want to express myself in a different way while I'm in that romance like I should be allowed to do that so even though they were very different and very 
odd. His pre-love movement was very odd in a lot of ways. They did they did work together and they had, you know, mm-hmm. the common goals. And they just everybody back the fuck off of everybody else's back and let them do yeah. what the fuck they want. Jesus It is twenty <laughs> twenty one motherfuckers. Get the fuck out of my life. Stay where you're at. Go in your house. Shut the fuck up and do your own thing. If you don't like what I'm doing, guess what? I don't like what you're doing, but I don't say shit. Exactly. Okay, I do say shit every week, but But I'm I not... don't vote against your right exactly. to do that shit. Yeah. So free love was a central tenet to the budding women's rights movement as it advocated for a woman's right to marry and love as she pleased. White women were still being paired off based on their wealth or status and expected to remain in loveless marriages where they were figurative property to their husbands. Even poor women who were laborers had little to say on their partners and were quite often literally sold off by their struggling families. A white woman had no right to land, children, wealth, or education. Of course, black and native women had even less and were slaves or social inferiors to many of the very white women still complaining about their own lot in life. But the idea of free love was a concept that bridged the gap between the races. In some ways, white women beginning to stand up for their rights made them realize the greater injustices being done against women of color. And for their part, women women of color began to hold accountable the black men calling for an end to slavery, yet not an end to the rape and violence black and brown women endured daily. And it's when you start fighting for your own rights Mm -hmm. is when you begin to challenge norms. And once you start to challenge norms, you understand how fucked up everything else is because your whole life you're just taught that's the way things are and that's just how the world works and everything but once you realize that 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 is not necessarily true and that these people are being you know oppressed or held back or held down or whatever it may be that's when you like really get that woke feeling of like holy shit what is going on in this world i I agree 100 percent. being woke like it usually does start with your own rights you're you having something to fight for it's and then realizing everyone around you yeah absolutely mm-hmm. discussion of free love centered around the right to marry whom one chose but they but there was discussion of free love centered around the right to marry whom one chose but there were also other less prominent messages there is the right to sex and intimacy outside of marriages the right to multiple partners and the right not to marry This last point is the one that has caused so much debate and controversy in queer history. Many women chose simply not to marry and instead move in with another female activist. In the next episode, or maybe an episode later, depending (laughs) on how these episodes come out, we will discuss some of the pairings in more depth. The truth is, there are a few women who were... Who, can, who we can point to directly and say that they were gay or bisexual or some other form of queer. Yet the very act of choosing to live with another woman instead of marrying was a queer act. Not because of assumed intimacy or romance, but because the act defied the traditional standards of the day. More than a hundred years before the first open gay rights protest, the free love movement was paving the way for people to choose the life they wanted for themselves, and women were the ones leading the charge. And so again, just to say, we don't want to reduce queer love to sex. That can be a big part of it, but when we dig in and we try so hard to find proof that two people were having sex, again, if you devote your life to someone, if you choose, as some many women, they chose to be married next to their their female activists rather than their husbands. They chose not to get married, but to live together. They chose. They called these people their partners in crime, their their spouses, they, their life partners. 
that is a much deeper love that is queer love you know whether yeah. or not sex was involved and i do think in many cases it was it was but whether or not it was it doesn't mean that it wasn't queer right Absolutely. it was in 1848, roughly 300 individuals gathered for the first formal women's rights convention. Seneca Falls has gone down in history as the beginning of the first wave of feminist movement. Technically, this is not true, but this was the first successful attempt to formalize a group whose priority was women's rights. 100 of the members signed off on the Declaration of Sentiments, which called for a bounty of reforms, most notably and controversially, a demand for a woman's right to vote. The convention had many budding suffragettes such as Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Abby Kelly, Lucreta Mott, and Amy Post. All of these women would, would later go on to become icons of feminist history. At the time, they were simply radicals who believed women deserved a place in the world. Yet for all their arguments on equality and even slavery, only one single black person was invited to the event. Frederick Douglass stood and made these remarks. In this denial of the right to participate in government, not merely the degradation of women and the perpetuation of a great injustice happens, but the maiming and repudiation of one half of the moral and intellectual power of the government of the world. What year was women's right to vote actually passed? 1919. 1919. So there was, what, like 150 years since America? Oh, from our independence? Yeah. Right about, right right about yeah. there. That is more than half of the life of this country mm -hmm. that women had no say in the government all of the uh founding fathers like uh the constitution and, and all the amendments i don't know when the last amendment was made but basically mm -hmm. all of our base documents were made mm -hmm. in a government run entirely by men yeah so for people to say we can't do that because the Constitution says this. We can't do that because the Constitution says this. All of that was written <laughs> and put in place by old white men mm -hmm. with no input from women, people of color, marginalized communities, nothing. Yep. So for that to be the basis and the entire identity of our country in itself is almost a racist act because we need to we need to bring in some reform and say, okay, this is what we were founded on. How can we make this better and how can we make this more inclusive of everybody? Um, and I mean, we just now got a f our first female vice president mm -hmm. and it's 2021. <laughs> like, yeah, there's so much in our in our government that was made for these white people to make sure that everything went for them. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing in place minus some civil rights things that I mean, yes, they were a big monumental moment, but we need deeper reform and we really need to come up with the constitution 2.0 for the for the 21st century yeah i mean it's such a it's such a flawed document and the way that it's treated as if it's a holy scripture that can't be altered is sickening when you look at the history behind it it doesn't mean that the document doesn't have some good bones that it couldn't you know right. you it's couldn't a good build skeletal of structure it. but to say that it would be perfect exactly how it is is so incredibly honestly it's it's stupid to put it in a very blunt term it's stupid like ge like genuinely to the the definition of that word is what it is and it stupefies our ability to grow and progress and that's why we struggle so much to progress because we want to believe that this document written hundreds of years ago was perfect which is just like when we look at holy scriptures and we say that this document written thousands of years ago is exactly how we should run our lives when we cripple ourselves and we limit ourselves to those those single um books or single texts it's it's so harmful to society as a whole 
Um, but yeah, I agree with, it, with what yeah. you said. <laughs> we end this episode with a quote from Harriet Beecher Stowe, which perfectly sums up the next part of this series. When you get into a tight place and everything go and everything goes against you till it seems as though you could not hang on a minute longer, never give up then, for that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. And that is so true. Mm-hmm. Once you feel so backed in and once you feel like, man, everything I've worked for, it's for nothing, like you just push on a little bit longer and it'll break. And yeah. that'll be the that'll be what you need to do. And your re- recommended resource is of course why they march by Susan Ware and American Radicals by Holly Jackson. There's another one which will be um, referenced a little more next week, but I'll go ahead and give it to you. It's Vanguard by, oh crap, Jones is her last name. Uh, Vanguard. Anyways, I'll put the represent <laughs> for you next week, but make sure you tune in for the rest of the month for more resources as we continue to cover the groups and movements that shaped the fight for women's rights. So stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And all second surface. Resist your oppressors, our proud homocrats. And have yourself a sodomy circus. Or don't. And, and Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.